it's Sean. And it's Bree. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 8. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about Muck Hill in Pembroke, Ontario, the Grey Nuns Mother House in Montreal, Quebec, the Walterdale Playhouse in Alberta. Sounds interesting. Yeah, actually, you know what? It, it is pretty interesting. We've got a lot of exciting stuff coming at you um, for this episode. So I'm really excited to bring it to you. And also for our paramedia segment, we are going to be talking about the 2005 film, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... How's everything going? Are you enjoying the the nice weather that we've been having now, Bree? Oh my God, yes! Yeah. I hiked all weekend, and I'm coming up to this weekend getting ready to hike. Nice, a lot of activity and fitness and all that good stuff. So, you know, I hope that everybody else is getting out there and enjoying. Yeah, grab some of that vitamin D. Yeah, we all need it, especially right now and being cooped up for COVID. So get outside and enjoy it, but just do it safely. Yes, be safe. Yes. So let's get rolling right into Buck Hill in Pembroke, Ontario. During the Depression, as legend states, a logger arrived home in a particularly vicious winter storm. When he came home, his daughter, his wife, and his dog awaited him, and he warned them not to go outside due to this crazy winter storm that they were having. But with supplies running low, the father needed to collect some firewood to keep their home nice and warm. So when he returned home, he had found that the dog had gotten loose and the daughter had gone out looking for the dog. And he got his lantern and went out looking for her with no success. The father went on to look for her every day until his death. This father, with so much grief, went, as I just said, out every day to look for his daughter um, that went missing for his entire life. Oh, such a sad story. Mm-hmm. When I was reading it online, I was like, huh? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, even though it is legend, there really isn't any documented case of it, but it is a very sad story, you know, um, because there's so much heartache there. It just gave me chills when I was kind of reading and researching it. So definitely something that could happen for sure. So anyways, with that being said, we're going to move into the best part, the ghosts of Buck Hill. So since the death of the logger, there have been reports of unexplained um, lights along the road. Many believe the light is from his lantern and his constant search for his daughter. Sad. They never yeah, find it. I know. And they say that the lights have been appearing there for more than a century. Like, yeah. wow, it's a long time. And the one thing that kind of was almost like 
uh, what's the word, uh, made it like official was the fact that you would see the lights swing back and forth like somebody yeah. was walking. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just found that. That kind of gave me chills when I heard about that. Yeah. Well, someone who had seen it firsthand would describe it that way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not to say I saw a light drifting by itself with nobody attached, right? So many different perceptions, I guess. Yeah. Um, so other people have claimed now, <laughs> a little funny, but they have claimed that you can engage in like a little spirit ritual. And okay. when you get over to the road, apparently you turn around to face the direction that uh, you came from and flick your headlight three times into the darkness. Okay. Somebody scream daddy and one of the in like a girl's voice and apparently the lantern will appear swaying back and forth. Wow. That's horrible. That's like you're taunting the ghost. Yeah, almost. Eh? I don't it's like, like that at all. Yeah, I don't either. I don't Bad either. Vibe. Don't do that, people. Bad vibes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean if it happens naturally, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So yeah, I wouldn't do that. But it's uh, really people, interesting. Yeah, right? Uh, some people have claimed that the lights have been described as like a green color or an orange color. Um, they're like in a different tint, I guess. Okay. Huh. And some say it looks like a three-dimensional little ball of light, like the size of a baseball or something like that. And it's just like it illuminates as it's surrounding the woods. Wow. That's crazy. But imagine like being out in the woods and experiencing oh, that, that firsthand. Light. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be kind of creepy. But I would be intrigued. I would want to like follow it and see what happens. I would too. <laughs> like far away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and maybe have like some sort of a breathing mask that doesn't allow you to hear me breathing so heavily as I'm like trying not to panic inside. Yeah. Is it a murderer or is it a ghost? <laughs> so again, maybe don't check it out. <laughs> no, I don't get bad vibes from that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Was there anything more? Um, oh, some people say that it kind of uh, goes in and out. Like it'll be brief and you'll see the light and then all of a sudden it, it won't be there and then it'll be closer the next time you see it. That's kind of creepy. Yeah. That's like Jason Voorhees creepy. Like where did you come <laughs> from? <laughs> yeah, that is kind of creepy. Like... <laughs> disappearing and reappearing closer yeah yeah i'd be like okay time to go guys <laughs> <laughs> like that meme where michael myers is peeking out of the side of the hedge oh yeah <laughs> been wearing masks since like 1976 <laughs> yeah yeah i've seen that one a few times <laughs> i love that one that's my favorite yeah, I try to post some on our Facebook, just like yeah. if I find certain things. Like, I found one with Freddie on a beach, and I just thought... Oh, I remember that one, yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking, suntan lotion? I don't know. <laughs> but then I was also kind of thinking, sweater and pants on a beach? Mm, 
<laughs> not a good scene, but it was kind of cool because he was wearing sunglasses, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? Oh, some people have reported that they've seen like a handprint. Some people have reported like seeing like handprints on like a foggy window and then they disappear. Oh, okay. So like on the car window. Yeah. Uh, when they're taunting the ghost. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, some people said they've heard voices and screams coming along down the road and uh, in the forest. Huh. And some people have reported seeing a figure uh, in the shadows, like the size of a man. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it's very active. Like, he's yeah. very out there and active and... Well, um, that's a little far. We could drive there. Yeah, that's true. We could check it out. Mm-hmm. But no taunting. No. No. I just want to see. Me too. I would always wonder, too, could the light be, like, normal earth gases, you know? I don't know. I'm not if a it's scientist. An, if it's but... an area... If it's an area that's non-frequented, it's, it would be, like, unusual behavior, then, no, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Yeah. Hmm. But it just, it's very coincidental that, you know, it kind of worked out that way. What's yeah. there now? Um, nothing. I believe it's still, um, just like a, like a conservation area. Or something along those. Maybe not a conservation area, but it is like woodland and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now we're going to move to our second topic. We're going to start talking about the Grey Nuns Mother House in Montreal, Quebec. The Grey Nuns Mother House was built in 1871 in Montreal, Quebec. It took six architects and one engineer to design. It's a very beautiful building. It has an H design with a tall grand tower right in the center. It also houses a crypt that holds 276 bodies and 232 of them are the gray nuns that are held in this crypt. The crypt is held in trust for the nuns who are permitted to enter, but it is off limits to everyone else. There was talks in moving the crypt when it was turned into a dwelling for university students, but due to the fact that some of the nuns died from infectious diseases, they didn't want to take the risk. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Today, as it stands, it is a residence for Concordia University. So, Brie, on to the ghosts. So, since... There's 276 people buried there. Yes. Um, <laughs> obviously, there's going to be some activity. Yes. <laughs> so, so some of the residents of the building have had visions of um, one lady, I guess, on fire. Wow. Okay. And it, she wasn't able to sleep that night. And it, she said that the, it was so vivid. Like, she kept saying it was a dream, like it was a vivid dream. Right. And all she could see was disfigured and burned children 
Oh, that's horrible. I wouldn't want to dream mm, that either. No, no. And she said it wouldn't go away. She, it, that dream would not go away until she moved somewhere else. Yeah, I I think she went to her boyfriend's house and she stopped having that dream. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like, yeah. And there's really no evidence of anything like that happening there unless maybe it's attached to the land rather than the building. Well, in 1918... The, there was a fire that broke out on Valentine's Day and the orphanage that was located oh, above the hospital, right? So those oh, are some no. of the... Well, yeah. that explains it right there. So I take back oh, that last statement. Not just that, not just that. Soldiers who were also there were covering and firemen were trying to save all the infants, but they couldn't. So a total of 53 confirmed deaths were um, said to be the part of the total... I guess cremation there. Oh wow! Yeah, because apparently the fire burned so hot that people were actually cremated, so they couldn't identify who these people were. Awesome. Yeah. So there—that's probably why she was having that dream. Oh gosh. And so then there was somebody who uh, had, or not somebody. There were reports of people saying they heard children crying from the top floor. Um, and then other people have claimed having nightmares of dead children and the sound of running feet. And then, like, there was, like, imaginary children, and and they always seem to have been wearing tattered or burned clothing. That's what they see, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems to be a common theme throughout all the experiences in the Grey Nun's mother house. You know, because but it's of... more, I feel like it's more around the children that were there. Yeah, like, I don't definitely. Think the, the nuns aren't haunting it. I think it's the children. Yeah. And the fire, and who the other people that died there as well, the uh, the soldiers. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It seems to be more of the tragic, tragedy-based um, spirits and. Usually it is. Um, mm-hmm. You usually don't, you know, somebody that's passed away peacefully or what have you, you normally don't um, get visitations. It's always something more or there's a story behind it or there's something mm-hmm. that's left um, unsaid or, you know, undone that would bring mm-hmm. bring a spirit back. That's what I always notice like i mean there's an exception to every rule um but you know i find that it's always more of like a tragedy base or something along those lines especially well because they like the people have claimed seeing soldiers and children right so those were all i guess they had the soldiers recovering in an area near the same wing right right um Well, plus it was Valentine's Day too, right? So what a day for a fire to break out. I know. And usually that's a time, you know, in school, you know, or in an orphanage when you try to have like happy times when there's like, uh, you know, it's not really a holiday, but, you know, it's something that everybody partakes in. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. You do something extra. Yeah. Well, that was really interesting. I was really interested about the crypt and what have you. Uh, that mm-hmm. was, I found that really interesting, kind of creepy. 
Um, but it was really interesting that, um, that it's there and yeah, cool. So let's move on. Good call on, good call on not moving them. I wonder what sort of infectious diseases, how, how old was the thing again, the building? It was built in 1871. So, you know, wow. there could have been like, I don't know. Back then, you name it. It could be anything. Now we're going to move on to the Walterdale Playhouse in Edmonton, Alberta. It was originally constructed in 1909 as Fire Hall Number 1. In 1974, it was transformed in what it stands today, and that is the Walterdale Playhouse. The building still houses the original fire hall bell in its tower. The theater seats 145 visitors. It was dedicated an Alberta historic site in July 14th of 1976. In 1994, it received an award for outstanding contribution to the performing arts. The theater is mostly run by donations and volunteers. So basically that means when it reopens, we need to go visit and uh, support this um, playhouse so that it's around for years to come. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to talk about the ghosts of Walterdale Playhouse. All right. So, there are some claims from actors that they've heard the sounds of bells ringing and the sounds of horses' hooves on the cement floor while they were getting ready for work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There was a fireman named Walter. He died in 1909 in the second-story bunkhouse, uh, which is the makeup and dressing room today for the actors. It said he enjoys watching shows and he likes to hide and move uh, actors costumes and props uh, and other stuff around (laughs) (laughs) so a mischievous ghost once again yes (laughs) i like that over the nightmares (laughs) right yes yes i'll take that any day (laughs) um there's also people and workers in the building they have this feeling like as if someone's in the building and then there's a, a, a light that'll come on unexpectedly and then sounds of someone else being there and nobody's there. Wow, eh? There was also a jail below ground under the pavement uh, right beside the playhouse. People were thrown in for various crimes. Some even died in um, overnight from a beating and various other things. Wow. So, yeah, so that's not <laughs> a nice uh, ghost to have hanging around, right? Wow, yeah. But it always seems to be the friendly guy that's always kind of kicking around. You never really hear negative things, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that's it. That's all I have. That's it. That's all for the Walter Dale Playhouse. Excellent. Well, that was some really good information. And I quite enjoyed those three topics. They're really fun to um, research and kind of get some information on them and, and what yeah. have you. Because 
Um, there's they're very multifaceted, so it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're gonna move into our paramedia segment, and we're gonna talk about the exorcism of Emily Rose. It was a 2005 movie, which was directed by Scott Dickerson, which starred Laura Linney, Jennifer Carpenter, Tom Wilkinson, and Campbell Scott. So the movie is based on the trial of Father Richard Moore, who has been charged with negligent homicide in the death of Emily Rose due to exorcisms performed on her. We are shown Emily's story through flashbacks, as unsettling as it is. The movie is well-acted, well-written, and well-executed. I generally felt for Emily when the flashbacks of her experiences were happening because they were truly haunting in many ways. A definite must-see if you have not already have seen it, and if you have, watch it again. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Was there it's, anything in that movie that um, kind of caught you off guard? Um, was a little bit much for your brain to handle? Um... I think as it started to happen more and more, like seeing the demon coming through. Right. It was so different than previous movies because they were able to edit it differently. I guess right. nowadays it looked even right. creepier. You know what I mean? Like her, the, the formation of her face, the eyes, like everything, how, how well they did it. It looked like she was being possessed. Like yeah. it was crazy. I I really think that has a lot to do with Jennifer Carpenter um, because she's very um, uh, animated when she in her facial expressions and what have you, um, and of course Carpenter. Yeah, I right? agree. So. I mean, John Carpenter is her father, so she's learned from the best. So, <laughs> so with that being said, she was um, really good in this movie, really well done. She does really well in everything else she does, too. I believe she was in Dexter. Oh, my God, yes. I love that show. Yeah, and I think she's actually married to... They were, yeah. Oh, they were. Okay, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. Deleted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah, I'll leave it in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So for me, though, I think, um, I don't know. There was a couple of times in the movie where I was kind of taken back, like where she was alone in her dorm. And it was like, um, it almost looked like it was sucking the life out of her. Like the blankets were so tight on her body. Like you could see the bones in her body. Yeah. I Do know. you remember that? Yes. <laughs> that, that, that was really creepy. Um, and then the part where she was 
on the floor, and I believe her boyfriend was staying at her her in her uh-huh. dorm, and she's just in this very um, ominous pose and has this very odd look on her face, and she's not when her eyes could start going black. Yeah, yeah. So that was really well done. That really gives me the creeps every single mm-hmm. time I watch it. I definitely would not want to watch this alone in the dark or by myself. Oh, no. So it's on the same level <laughs> as, as The Exorcist, for sure. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. And I liked how the actors, the actors were great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, as we were saying, Laura Linney, you can't go wrong there. Um, you know, Tom Wilkinson, you can't go wrong there. You know, <laughs> so, Jennifer Carpenter. Anything more to add on uh, Action of, of Emily Rose other than to go and watch it? Um, let us know what you think. Yeah, definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely. We always yeah. love to hear what you think. No matter how you reach out to us through email or through Facebook, through whatever, or if you just, you know, like and subscribe to our Facebook and our notifications and all that stuff. Cause we try to bring some content out to you and um, we hope to get some content back from you so we can put it on the show. Also, I wanted to kind of bring up <laughs> next month that we are teaming up with accessible media Inc to bring you a brand new show sightseers and to get the inside from the hosts of the show so you can catch it here on paranormal files canada so stay tuned next month in june for our episode to take part in that and to also uh, learn some more about this new show yeah i can't wait I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm really excited to um, speak with the host of Sightseers and to interview them. Um, One is Mark Jolly and the other is Laura Warren. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of background on both of them. So Mark Jolly was born blind and from a young age began seeing images in his mind when he touched other people's hands. Mark has refined his gift and now, as a modern-day oracle, is sought after for his unique insight into matters of money, health, and heart. Laura Warren is a natural medium who has been developing her mediumship and psychic abilities since she was a child. Laura has over a decade of psychic mediumship experience and has developed an international following. She is in demand in the Maritimes and beyond. So, as we were saying, stay tuned next month to meet both of them. Yes, this is very exciting. Yes, I agree. So, as always, that brings us to another 
end of an episode, which is kind of sad for me because <laughs> I love recording episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we've got to kind of stop at somewhere and continue on and do other shows and what have you. And this is too much and I'm rambling. But that's okay. <laughs> but this does bring us to an end of an episode. So, I, again, I want to thank you, as always, for listening to us, um, you know, for sticking with us. Um, you know, as I said earlier, definitely visit our Facebook page. Um, we definitely try to keep it up with some good information, some things that could be coming up on the show, um, something along, stuff along those lines. So definitely check that out, um, like our Facebook page. Send us an email. Um, we're going to give you all the information in just a moment on how to get in touch with us, and I will leave that up to Bree. You can reach us at ParanormalFilesCanada at gmail.com. On Facebook, you can reach us at ParanormalFilesCanada. On Instagram, Canada Paranormal Files. And on Twitter, PFC Sean underscore Bree. Awesome. Definitely reach out. Um, we would love to hear from you. Um, and if you have a paranormal experience, we would love to talk about it on the show. Again, thank you for joining us, Bree. Thank you for a great episode. Had a great time. Yeah, me too, as always. <laughs> and we'll, again, as we said, do it next month. So stay happy, stay healthy, and stay spooky. Stay spooky.